Welcome to the Casey Catch Up. And this fortnight, we catch up on what happened over in WA, Western Australia, had the king of the cut. Um, not many people were able to go because of COVID restrictions, but we had a few from South Australia, a few from Western Australia, and I managed to catch up with Marcus Tardrew, who won the SUP downwind fall division, and Crackerjack, um, Jacqueline Nickel, who was second in the women's wing division. Um, a really good call. Um, going through all things, equipment, conditions, um, but then also finishing with crackers on where the sport is going, pathways for kids and all that sort of stuff. So um, I really enjoyed it and I hope you guys do too. A little Christmas Eve edition for you. Um, I have got a bunch of things I want to share with you guys too. I had a really fun foil camp up at Lennox Head. I managed to get a few sessions in with, um, with Mr. Bennett's, um, but mainly... It was really cool to see everyone improve with five people for the camps and, and everyone improved. Um, intermediate and beginner. Um, keep an eye out for dates on ones for 2022, probably looking like middle of winter, sort of May, June sort of area. Um, I've also um, continuing to do my Talk Back Tuesdays, which is similar to this call, but more interactive. So we have, um, it's all part of the Coach Casey Club membership. You get access to, to join the chat, ask questions, and every week on Tuesday, basically go through a bunch of questions, a bunch of video uh, for people that want to get into foiling, downwind foiling, um, wing foiling, surf foiling. Um, so the wing foil course is something I'm looking at building. Um, I'm not promising any dates for that, but it is on its way. It's in the works. I'm also doing a bit for foil drive downwinding and also my deflate downwind, reinflate downwind. So that's all in the works, it's all coming. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for, the, for a really good 2021. We think we've made the most of what it could be. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I look forward to um, reaching out to everyone and get another episode up in the new year. So thanks for following along. And here is the chat with Marks and Crackers about all things King of the Cup. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the Casey Catch Up. We've got Marcus Tardrew and Crackers, Jack's Nickel, um, who both were competitors at the King of the Cut, which was, I guess, the last downwind race that I know of on the foil. Crackers did the wing division. Marcus did the, the SUP foil division. And it sounded like a pretty epic time on the water. Um, we're going to get a, bit, a few stories from each of them, um, talk about conditions, talk about the vibe at the race and, and just a little bit of a debrief since... Um, I couldn't get there and I know a lot of other people couldn't get there too. So just live vicariously through those who, who could do a downwind foil race. So um, welcome you two. Thanks for teeing up a time. I know it's busy in the Christmas Christmas period. Thanks, Thanks Jimmy. How you going? Yeah. Um, we'll start with Marcus because he's driving to work actually. But I guess, <laughs> do you want to tell us about, I guess, the, the, the equipment you used and the conditions you had and also the competition that um that you were up against yeah sweet um yeah first of all the conditions were really good um as you know jimmy we have a bit of an issue with weed here seaweed and um it was probably one of the first races i've done in wa without weed on a foil so it was a clean run which is amazing um and yeah, we had good wind from the start, so we, we probably had about um, 18 knots from the gun, 
and um, yeah, the guys who I was competing against, besides Scott McCloskey from South Australia, were all guys I foil with pretty much every day, and um, they're just they're the most amazing guys. They have learned to downwind foil. Some of them since the start of this season, you know, two months ago, and they. Um, some of them started towards the end of last season, but um, yeah, it's, it's very impressive and they're going really quick. Um, Julian, a guy from here, especially who on the lift 120, who just is flying, it's crazy, and he paddles up that little foil. It's, um, it's pretty cool. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the conditions were great. The competition was good because we actually had some this year. I think last year I was on my own year before we had a couple of guys um and yeah it's definitely really growing and um yeah the, the equipment and stuff's getting so much better and doing the run now feels different i haven't done the run since the race last year and just with the equipment that's changed over the last 12 months the run actually felt different purely because of the equipment we're on so yeah pretty exciting time for the stuff downwind spoiling for sure it's really growing and um yeah just watching it explode over here and and the level of the guys that are getting into it it's it's awesome yeah no awesome um sounds we'll get into more on that i want to touch with crackers as well because she was doing more the wing ding sort of side of things and so crackers how are the conditions for you and, and the competition as well do you want to give us a little debrief on that yeah, it was really clean, like Marcus said, and just like really nice, smooth runners. So that was really good. Not much wash going on. Um, I took out a five meter smick wing and I really wish I'd taken out the six meter. I think when we're all standing on the beach, the wingers, it looked like it was a little bit stronger than what it was. And once we got out there, you could feel it was a little bit lighter. Um, so just, just have that bit of extra speed would have been nice. Um, but it was kind of cool. I had the RS1000 from GoFoil on. Um, so I had a lot of speed underneath and it was just fun because you had to, because it was a little bit lighter and it wasn't absolutely nuking, you had to time the gusts of wind and your runners really well to, to maximise your speed. So it was fun. It was challenging and good. I liked it. And do you, do you know what your competitors were on crackers? I know there was, you had a pretty good battle with a chick who was from more of a sailing background. You're from more of a surf and sup background. Yeah, I didn't get a good look at what Crystal had underneath her board. Um, I'm, I'm assuming she actually had a bigger foil, but she had a four and a half metre wing um, and Ange had a four and a half metre or a four metre wing as well. Um, so I definitely had the biggest wing out of the girls, um, but I'm not sure what they had underneath. Um, but yeah, Crystal, she was just smooth. She, um, she didn't stack at once. She pretty much stayed dry and that was her advantage. She was just that little bit in front of me the whole time. And yeah, she just was relaxed and cruising along. So I think that's what got her over the line. Yeah, for sure. And, and do you know what the, what the guy, like the lead, Marcus, you might be able to answer this, what, what the top guys were using? Cause I know, um, you know, there were, yeah, it was cool to see a mix of girls and guys. Yeah. Basti's on, um, he rides for Patrick. He's a pro windsurfer, I think is his background. Um, yeah, legend of a guy, but he's using a really tiny foil on a big wing. Um, and yeah, so a lot of guys think winging downwind is where you let the sail, you know, float next to you and surf. Um, these quick guys are using tiny foils and sailing downwind. Um, so 
yeah, it's um, probably different to people's expectations when they think of a wing downwinder, but it's um, it's really impressive. The speeds they do are crazy. Um, I know that I'm not sure of what Patrick Boyle, you know, size-wise he was on, but I know the kids on the Armstrong were on the 725. Um, and I think um, Patrick was spewing because he was supposed to have a wing arrive, a prototype, which might have been a 525 or something, you know, ridiculously small. So mm. tiny little sort of kite wing, nearly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, to me, it's so foreign and yet we're doing the same thing. I guess it's that power dinging, isn't it? We're literally powered up as yeah. much as we can with the sail and going as quick yeah. as we can downwind with the with the foil rather than, I guess, what I like to do when I wing downwind is just sort of, you know, hold it out to the side and, you know, surf. And it's kind of like that hybrid yeah. that um, it's... Uh, yeah interesting isn't it the, the whole racing side of things and, and where it's going to go and that's i guess one of the things i'd like to chat with you guys too like but let's stick with the race um so marcus why don't you kick us off and talk about like the, the very start of the race because this is something that is really intriguing to me i guess they normally just do it with like a gun going off and everyone's sort of on their board yeah. and they've got to get up onto the foil um i remember jacko talking about a start where you could almost have a time like set your watch and be like okay at 12 o'clock mm-hmm the gun's going to go and you can be way upwind and be already foiling or you can be right on the line and just paddle up and get going. But if you're across the line, yeah. you're disqualified. Um, so yeah. what was the start like? Um, yeah, I I um, really like the idea of starting on a start line. Also, you know, people have got to organise these races. You don't want to overcomplicate it. The other reason I like just the start line with a gun is it adds to the the... Um, the tactics, you know, what foil are you going to use? You need to be able to paddle up on the line when the gun goes. If you lose, if you don't get up for two minutes, you know, that's a kilometre when you're doing this sport. Um, and, yeah, I mean, a few of the guys who hadn't raced much yet, um, they didn't get up on the start line. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I like the gun. I like the what that brings to the race and what you've got to use equipment wise. You can't just get the tiniest foil you can possibly use and, and, and time yourself. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion. Um, we, me and the other sub foilers, we had a, um, sort of a gentleman's agreement to, uh, we'll just wait for the wingers to go. Cause we were sitting out in the ocean cause we obviously need the bumps to get going. Um, so we, um, yeah, we were we all paddled out into the ocean and um, waited for the wingers to go, so we had clear water. And once if someone got up and didn't get, you know, nearly run over by a winger, it wouldn't spoil their start. So we waited for them to all go past, and then I just sort of said, "Are you guys ready to go?" And then we went. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, we had there was I think eight of us or nine of us, and we just all ran our own start. Um, there was a guy on a foil drive. He was obviously the first to get up. Um, Scott McCluskey, I think, was second. He was using a, a nice big go foil. Um, and I was third to get up. And I'm not sure what happened behind me, but I think the guys in the lift 120s, they had never done that run. And the, the bumps at the start are quite um, small and really clean, uh, which kind of makes it harder to get up. You want those little ridges, you know, those little peaks, um, as you know, Jimmy, to get going. Mm. Um <clears throat> And I think it took him a little while to get going. 
Um, and yeah, from there it was just a smooth run. Um, yeah, that was the start anyway. The race was. I don't know if you want me to go into the race yet, or if you want to yeah, speak to the track. Yeah, we'll get a crackers now about the wingers since, since yep. you guys went cool. off first. How was that crackers? Because, like, was everyone sitting on their board with the wing? I, I, I haven't done a wing race. Um, everyone was flying. Everyone was flying. Um, the start line's a tricky one at the King of the Cup because it's close to the rock wall and it's hard to get upwind to the start line when you're on the wing. So everyone's kind of like cramped down in an area. Um, and everyone's moving back and forwards, but behind the rock wall, there's less wind as well. So it was tricky. Um, and it was a bit confusing when it started. Some were winging out already, and I think they were prepping to wing back um, for the gun, but the race starter wasn't quite sure what they were doing either. So there was just this little bit of a delay. Um, for me personally, I'd lined myself up really nice. I'd, I'd gotten a spot where I knew my time, by the time I hit the start line, it would be going. And that little bit of delay just caused me to stall. I dropped out of the sky right as the gun went. And I was just oh, I leave it. I got back up pretty quick. Um, so, you know, I kind of got my nerves going at the beginning of the race straight away because you're, you're already down you got to start again. Um, but, you know, once you're going, everyone was happy and, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a bit of confusion with the wing foiling, um, with everyone flying around. And, you know, it was interesting what you're talking about, the speed dinging. And the sport, a lot of the people that do the king of the cut are coming from a suck background and a downwinding background. So that speed dinging is quite foreign, you know, and everyone's kind of learning to do it. But at the same time, there's that muscle memory and brain memory of downwinding and catching runners and, you know, foiling that way. So it's interesting, the sport will probably split and you will have more of these speed dingers. And then, you know, will those wing foilers then end up on SUPs anyway and become downwinders on the SUPs, which is more organic, you know? Yeah, and that, that's that's where my, I guess the deflate downwind thing is, is, was sort of came from is the, I guess, crackers, you're probably one of the first of people to do it in a race last year when you wing deflated accidentally. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, it, it, as you said, it's really hard to just, like if, if you're running a wing race and some people are free winging, other people are speed or power dinging, it's like it's a completely different discipline and there's no way to, um, I guess, distinguish between the two from a um, race organiser's perspective because you can do both throughout the entire run. Um, so it's, um, and it's impossible to, to um, I guess, categorise and you can't keep your eyes on everyone throughout the entire race. So it's, gonna, it's sort of like the speed or the power dinging is always going to be where I see that wing racing going because there's no way to prevent it. Um, yeah. I like how you said maybe those the free wing is maybe the natural progression is to get into the basically the sup the sup downwinding. Uh, maybe it'll be a, a deflate downwind scenario. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows where the sport's going to go? And I think there's better options than actually deflating a wing, but like collapsing a wing, maybe getting using it to get going, and then you know you're only allowed to use it if you come down. Or again, impossible to um, you know adjudicate, but. Interesting to say that the start was kind of like, I guess, what Jacko was talking about. Um, then Marcus, I guess you don't like so much, which I agree, it's impossible to, given you said crackers, there was a bunch of confusion. People didn't really know what was going on. The starters didn't know what was going on. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves, I guess, the, the starts of races, because there's no doubt a seated start is easier to keep everyone in line, but people want to use smaller foils. They want to go faster. Is it going to, then there's the chess game that Marcus, you were talking about, which I think is super interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, the start line is you got to get off it, right? So I kind of like the challenge. Like, and as you say, the organizers, they have to set it up. Does it really matter where the start line is? Part of the challenge of the race is you got to get up and going and you've got to get yourself off that start line. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to yeah, say, Marcus? I think for the wingers, um, the wingers should have a time start. Um, and, you know, a few of the guys asked at briefing, you know, why is it not a time start? Um, the reason it wasn't is because it's a sub race. You know, the guy who runs the start doesn't run sailing races. Um, I've sort of been chatted to a few of the wing foilers since and said, you know, get on the committees. Look, this race will probably stop anyway unless wing, unless foilers and wing foilers get involved with it. And um, then we can run the start you want. You know, it should be like I'm from a sailing background and you have like a five-minute gun, one-minute gun go and it's on the dot. So you set your watch and you hit the line as, as close to it as you can or as close as you dare to, I guess, without being over. Um, and it's not a problem. That's super easy. But he, he had a one-minute gun and then a go gun, but it wasn't exactly one minute. And he, and he told the guys, it won't be exactly one minute. I'm going to do it when you guys are in a line, yeah. which, you know, that's not a sailing start. They want to hit it running. Um, and that's cool. You know, it's it's a part of learning. It's a sub race that's evolving. Um, so it's going to be something that will iron out as it goes, um, but it will also take, you know, spoilers to get involved with it. Uh, if they don't, then, you know, <laughs> what, what could, how can we make it right unless they're involved in it? So, um, yeah. yeah, I think we'll see a bunch of them get involved and, um, and you know, the start will be different for them. They'll have a time start and maybe it can be an exact time start for every class. Um, but, yeah. I think, you know, is I think a lot of the guys who want to, um, going back to that whole sailing versus surf racing, I think a lot of the guys that like to surf downwind are very keen on doing the um, sup downwind foil thing. Um, I'd nearly like to, like we had a guy with a foil drive through the race and none of us really cared. Um, but I think it'd nearly be cool to encourage people to do that and maybe they just have an E next to their name in brackets, you know, and that's a separate class nearly. But, you know, don't discourage people from getting downwind however they want to. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, my boss is just shut yeah, up I at the you. door. That's <laughs> <I see> <laughs> uh, all good. I've got time. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, let the, the sport you know, bloom and, and explode rather than say, no, you can't do it because you've got an engine. Just, you know, there's e-foil mountain bike races and stuff. I, it's just I totally agree. Thing. And I think moving forward, that e-foil division, it'll it'll go to a point where the e-foil is the biggest. And then a lot of those e-foilers will transition into the, I guess, the SUP foil or, you know, you could even have yeah. a, like, it, this is where it gets a little tricky, but like the, the free wing downwind has got to be like, obviously, you've got to know within yourself that you're going to be free wing the whole way down the, down the course, but you could have like a, a speed ding. There's, there's enough wingers. You could do it. You have a speed ding division and then a free wing division. And obviously there yep. is a pretty big chance that you can cheat, but it's got to be kind of gentleman's rules. You know, like if yeah. I'm behind crackers and I'm like, Oh, I'm not just trying to squeak a little bit and speed digging in to catch up. <laughs> you know, yeah. People are going to know. And, and yeah. I think, you know, deep down people put their hands up and like, yeah, I cheated a little bit there or whatever it is. It's, but that's the beauty of foiling. Yeah. It's all for fun. You know, there's no, yep. there's no. Yeah, I think if you want to surf, thing, you got to go there for fun. You're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I don't know, maybe there'll become some sort of rule where you have to use a certain size foil and it'll be actually more efficient to surf downwind because you won't have the speed. I don't know what's going to happen with the wingy thing. It's a little more complex, um, but um, I'm sure it's all going to figure itself out. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, I think as you said, Marcus, I think get get wingers and foilers on the on the committees of these races and something's mm. going to turn up and, and without people putting their hands up in the community, it's not going to become a thing. But I know yeah. there there are people that are driven enough to to do it, and you know the King of the Cups is such an awesome race that it kind of was one of the yeah. only, it was one of the few races that you can rely on wind and, and decent conditions. So it's um, fingers crossed yeah, it happens. Yeah, ten years exactly. <laughs> ten years with with wind every race. So yeah, it's been a pretty amazing thing to watch unfold. Yeah. <laughs> all my workers are showing up. Yeah, <laughs> all all the workers, not my workers. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it'll be a shame to see it um, die off because um, you know the sub class essentially is now the smallest one. And that's how it started. So yeah, I'm hoping that a bunch of people are keen to get involved. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with it. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how it all unfolds with foiling. It's obviously all going to change. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it either way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I know you've got to go in the next 10 minutes or so, Marcus, let's stick with you and let's talk about the race, I guess, how it unfolded. You're probably the worst person to talk to because you're at the front most of the way. But <laughs> you can probably give us a bit of a brief on how the other SUP guys yep. were going and, and maybe talk about the equipment that you were using, if you can, um, board, yep. foil, um, and, and what you know other yeah. people were using around you. Yeah, um, I was using a 6 by 24 board, 78 litres. Um, pretty much the board I've just thought, oh, that works and using it. All these guys here now who are pushing the limits have only been doing it for less than a year using 22 wide boards they made themselves. So I'm playing catch up to the, in the board <laughs> thing now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the young guys are like, nah, you got to get skinnier. So that's happening. Got one coming. Um, yeah, super high aspect foils. Um, seem to be going the best for the they're just more efficient more glide you know it's not the best turning foil a high aspect foil but for prone uh sorry for sup foil downwind um nothing is really comparing to that um yeah when the gun went as i said the foil drive guy left first um then scott mccluskey on the big go foil then myself uh, i think within about a kilometer or two I was beside Scott and going a fair bit quicker, but I was on a much smaller foil. Um, from what I hear, the guys behind took a little bit longer to get going. Um, it is a funny place to get going um, and very different to where we foil every day uh, in Metro Perth. So, um, yeah, they all eventually got going. For me, it was just a clean run and slowly coming through the field of the wing surfers, I guess <laughs> we're going to call them. Yeah. Um, free wingers, um, which was cool because you know you know heaps of them, so you go past and give them a hoot and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird for me that the conditions themselves, or the the race track itself, coming back a year later on way better gear, and um, where usually you know where you're trying to hang with the waves and stuff. Now now the foils are so much faster that overtaking them and the waves were so clean and had such big backs on them and it wasn't confused enough to find little holes to keep shooting through yeah too clean um it was yeah it was actually one of the slowest runs i've done 
for a while. It took me an hour and four minutes. And um, yeah, for this season on the gear I'm using, it was it was one of the slowest runs I've done. The second half got a bit more confused and a bit more technical and a bit more faster because there was those doorways and bridges and stuff to shoot and keep overtaking. But um, yeah, it was it was it was cool how different it was because the gear is so much better. Um, it, it's amazing how much the gears come in the last twelve months. Um, yeah. Even yeah. like almost six to eight months, really. I'm pretty sure, Marcus, yeah. you were using the Axis ART triple nine, might have been a prototype, but that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. What length mask yeah. were you using? Uh, 75. 75, yeah. So shorter mask than probably what you were using last year, too. Um, and yeah, and just a tiny little, uh, pretty much the smallest tail wing I can get. Yeah. So um, for speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, and that's crazy. That this the wing I was using is quite small surface area, but the high aspect part of it, they seem to paddle up better, glide better, do everything better except turns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're not like ripping turns <laughs> downwind when you're racing anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it, it was amazing, and yeah, the gear. It's funny, you know, just look. It looks totally different to a year ago, let alone how much better it is in the ocean and the the efficiency. I think if we looked at one of these foils a few years ago, we would have just probably laughed at it and thought it was impossible. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, the paddles that they're foiling up now are the same ones that we use in the surf. You know, a lot of the guys here are using the Lift 120, um, which is one of my favourite foils to use just in the waves. And, yeah, they're just paddling it up like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, it is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think we, it's worth mentioning Julian Bradley. Um, you, yeah. you you told me the story just on the phone, I guess, after the race. Do you want to yeah. share that with the crew? What, what, what yeah. was his story? Um, I tried to get him on, but I, it was a little bit hard to organise everyone at the same time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so the weirdest bit about this story is, first of all, he does not use his paddle except to paddle up, but he did. Uh, downwind foilers will know that if you paddle at the wrong time, you'll run over it with your foil and you'll snap the blade. And he just happened to make that strange mistake in the race and he snapped his blade and he laid on his board for a bit and thought, oh, I'll just try paddle up prone. No paddle hands. <laughs> <laughs> just on a, on a lift. Yeah, on this lift 120 that I'm talking about, he's so hard to paddle up. And he paddled up prone. It's ridiculous. Mm. Um I, I jump on his board mid-run sometimes. We swap out here and I'm like, I don't even, I can't even paddle this up with a paddle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he paddled the thing up prone. The only really crap thing about this story is that he didn't get to the finish because he went into race mode. He, well, this is what he told me. He's like, I could see Donnie up ahead and these are all the guys we follow with every day. So there's, you know, that, oh, I've got to catch up to yeah, Donnie. No and, um, and he, so we went into race mode and he came down because... Yeah, it would have been one of those like mythical tales that this guy paddled up prone on a downwind sup run and um and went to the finish, but unfortunately he didn't. But yeah, crazy. Um, and yeah, it was a shame that he broke his paddle. I mean, the fact that he broke it was bizarre. That, but um, you know, race day sometimes weird things happen. But yeah. <laughs> the weirdest bit is that it, is that he paddled up on a on a one twenty in the middle of the ocean. It's it's so crazy. It wasn't that windy. It, it blows me away that he did it. So I got a few questions so, on yeah. it. 
first thing, where, yeah. what did he do with his paddle? Did he just leave it? Did he just give it to the support boat or? He had a, yeah, well, no, he had a, um, a life jacket on and he just shoved it down the back like a ninja. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's epic. And then he just sort of just, you know, got the right bump and paddled as hard as he could and popped up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The best thing about um, Julian too is he wears this like sperm suit that is a rashie that goes up over his head. Real, real good sun protection, but it is like a white ninja suit. Yeah. And now he's got the ninja. He has a ninja the sword chaps, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he good. actually tried the Kalama sling. As soon after that day, he started trying the Kalama sling and foiling with him out in the ocean. He just looked like this ninja out there. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's unreal. Um, another yeah. question I have. I guess that that's awesome. I, I, I might have to try to call Julian separate and add it to the end of this because that's worth getting. Yeah. The first hand yeah, recount of it. Good to get his story, yeah. Yeah. Um on the the, the time he did, one oh four, that was on your watch. Because obviously you let yeah. the wingers go yeah, first. We, um, yeah. Yeah, because we let the wingers go. Um we waited for a clear ocean. So um yeah, yeah that was on my watch. Not, yeah, not then, the official time. So so what sort of speeds on it I know you get into this and I do too, but what sort of like what, what was your average speed? What was your like average kilometer speed, what was your fastest kilometer speed? And people probably want to know what your fastest like top speed was too, if you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what my top speed is. I don't really pay that much attention. But yeah. um, my average speed was it was only about 23. The slowest run I've done on that equipment is actually a more like high 23. So it was, it was actually pretty slow, 23 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Um, my fastest kilometre was about, a, is it 2.20 or 3.20? 2.20. Maybe 2.20. Yeah, 2.20. 2.20, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two, it was about pretty much 2.20 was my fastest, but it was there wasn't many like that. I had one, as I get closer to the end, it got, got faster and faster. Um, mm. So the Ks were kind of more like 2.40 for the first half of the run where it was it was too clean to go fast. I kind of, you kind of got stuck on one bump surfing back and forth waiting for something to happen yeah yeah um yeah but yeah. It, yeah generally that foil um is doing much faster than that but it was so much fun because you were forced to surf and there was no weed so we weren't yeah. working hard it was fun it was it was really cool yeah i might just do you want to go into a little bit more detail and explaining what like, i know you've only got a couple of minutes but like where like when the, when the bumps are super clean like this they're sort of running like this Versus when the bumps are at an angle like that, it sort of allows a, a crossover point, yeah. so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I guess if you just picture like really clean swells all running down the coast, um, unless you can really bomb and work hard and get up and over one, it's actually quite hard, especially when it's big. They've got big backs on them, so it's a big uphill. Um, but when it's messier and you've got the maybe ocean swell and wind swell sort of all mixed up a little bit um those swells that run sort of from the back from the wave that you're on to the back of the one in front you'd nearly use them like a bridge i thought i'd call it yep and they make bridges through and they also create little holes as well in the wave in front of you so you pick your bridges or your holes um, and when you get really wound up you can have the thing you know just going super fast and just surfing efficiently finding all those bits of energy, picking holes and bridges and, yeah, just going. Sometimes, you know, when it's good, you're looking four or five bumps down the line, 
no one, you know, picking your holes, it's, mm. it's I get excited by it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way I think about it is if, you know, if, if we've got our really clean bumps like this, it means like a bay run, I guess, you're forced to stay within that sort of zone. When you, and that's, you know, yeah. peak trough, you know, trough is where my head is and peak is where my arms are. As soon as you've yeah. got one bit of crossover, you've got a peak or you've got a trough intersecting the peak, which is the hole yeah. or, the, or the bridge you're talking about. And it basically allows a yeah. low point for you to not even have to go up and over. You're surfing yeah. that trough over the larger peak that is in front of yeah. you. So it's that's Yeah, you can be powered up through the whole bit. You don't yeah. have that dead section because you use that bridge. Yeah. Exactly. It's the best yeah. feeling. Feels like you're in a skate bowl or something. It's yeah, seriously. You get like you can always cool. sort of go yeah. back and forth and staying you, yeah. you're actually you're always downhill when you're going over and uphill is the way I sort yeah. of think about it. Um yeah. that's a really Yeah, that, there'll be a tiny little bit of energy moving up and across a bigger bump almost and yeah you're actually you are powered up the foiler knows the feeling of being powered up where you get on the front foot and the thing's just like projecting forward yeah and that feeling of of carving into a bowl and then up and over the back of one and then back down the face fully powered up that whole time versus sometimes if you get it wrong you know you've got to like pump through the dead section up and over yeah. And you lose your um, speed. But when you find that, yeah, when you find that that power source the whole time, that's that's very fun. Yeah, and that, if, if this is a more advanced thing we're talking about, like ideally the conditions on the king of the cut runner are kind of perfect because for most of us learning the downwind foil, you want these like sort of train track, easy runs yep. to just sort of run along. As yeah, it's easier more, to look at as more advanced foilers. Um, yeah. Those messy conditions are super fun, but. Um, they're intimidating for those that have never seen them before. I know Marcus, we did a paddle on the hollow board that you made for Molokai and around Makapu and it was probably the <laughs> ugliest water you could ever think of. And on a sup, it absolutely, it was, it was tough. Um, on a foil now with yeah. your knowledge, like, you know, I, I know myself, I'm just thinking of all these angles you could take. You could have almost gone upwind. Mm. Bumps, um, yeah. But at full skate yeah, park for a foil, these messy yeah. conditions are kind of the best. <laughs> In yeah, a weird kind of yeah way. totally. Yeah. Mm. So it's... Um, I'll keep talking. I'm just going to be... I'm going to walk up to my shop. <laughs> yeah. All right. we'll, we'll chat to Crackers. If you've got to go, Marcus, all good. Thanks for your time. The Crackers, do you want to talk to us about, I guess... Oh, no worries, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Thank mate. You. We'll catch ya. Um, yeah, Crackers, we'll go to you now. Um, let's talk about the, the free winging or, I guess, what were you doing mainly? Were you doing a bit of power thinking, a bit of free winging? Um, I guess what, when you just talked to Marcus about the flat spots and that, what I was trying to do was any time I lost the power or the energy of the runner, mm -hmm. I would power up on the wing and push through those flat spots and get onto the next runner. Yeah. Um, and so it was a bit of a game using the power of the foil and the power of the wing to get my momentum forward. Um, the king of the cut too, we have to go around a cardinal marker at Dotty's Beach, mm -hmm. which brings you right back into the coast. And then you have, means you have to surf left and I'm goofy foot. So powering up um, on your backhand is, you just can't get it as tight as you can if you're on the other hand. Um, so I found I was much better if I could maximize surfing as well and using the runners to surf left rather than trying to wing and be in that awkward position all the oh, time. Coast idea, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so I was just, I was using it as a game to kind of get as far up as I could. And when I switched 
to go the other direction, I was heading back into the coast. That's when I always found my speed. So Crystal was right in front of me most of the time, which was more of a head game for me, which is probably what cost me my race because I was, you know, thinking about her and catching her. And every time I stacked it, I managed to catch her back just because I was able to surf the downwind runners better and keep a straight line where she was zigzagging back and forth. So I, it's a shame I didn't actually log my trip and I wish I had to see my speeds because, and also to see hers, because I fell off a few times and I had to catch back, back up. I know I was going faster than her most of the yeah. time if yeah. I'd stayed on the board. <laughs> the full hair um, and the tortoise sound by the sounds of it. Yeah, Literally. it was, it was. And uh, I think the only time I overtook it was around that cardinal market because I switched my feet over. Um, and kind of did, which was hard when I got on the runners. I had to switch back um, to be toe side, yeah. but I managed to just get a little bit of speed on her and come around the marker faster and tighter than she did and got in front. But um, yeah, she ended up back in front by the end anyway. <laughs> yeah, interesting because I guess when you first said goofy foot, you have to go left. It's like, oh, that's perfect because, you know, as a natural footer, the king of the cut on the stand up, yeah. I've always, it's always been a bit of a tricky one because um, here in Sydney, my favourite runners are southerly and that's cutting right most of the time. So on a sup, that's my good side. On, a, on my toe side on a sup, the toe side on a wing is different because you're, you're twisted. So that's that, that sort of threw me when you said that, but it makes total sense. It's, I guess it's going to be harder for you to power ding and free wing on your toe side because of, because of that. Yeah, it's just that powering up and down, um, you know, like if you're on your side and you're able to power up your hands right there but on the other side you're kind of twisted and you got to reach across so I ended up actually just slipping my top hand under the boom or on yeah. top of the boom and pushing uh -huh. it down that way and that was much quicker to move my hand in and out between yeah. the powering up and down and stuff but you know it is I have come from a sup background and not a wing background so you know, that's the fun of racing is really learning about, sorry, I'm in a caravan park. I don't know if that truck's really noisy behind no, me. That's all good. Um, but just trying trying to figure out how to use that wing like that for speed. And it was just a really good learning experience racing. And, you know, last year I was out there on my own um, as the only female competitor. And for me, it just really lit me on fire having someone to race and right there with you. And regardless of the outcome, it was just, it was really cool to have that experience and, you know, kind of be neck and neck with someone. Yeah, no, it, was, it sounded like it. And I know in the lead up to the race, you were chatting to me like, oh, what foil should I use? What wing should I use? And um, I'm, I'm stoked to use the RS1000 because for winging, that, that's an epic, yeah. epic foil, you know, pretty forgiving and goes quick when you light it up. And, um, I'd love them to. I'd love that the go for guys to to make it a little bit more high aspect, like Marcus was saying. Just gives you that little bit more range, a little bit more glide, a bit more forgiving when we're downwinding for in the waves. The RS one thousand is pretty sick. Um, yeah, I, and like you say, that pumping through with the high aspect is just faster and cleaner. Um, mm. And that's probably because the runners were a little bit slower, and like you you guys were saying, they were really clean. There weren't those other sections to gain speed off. Um, so there was lots of learning for me as well out there because I don't, like Marcus, he gets to be in this stuff all the time. It's um, pretty new conditions to me. So yes, yeah. you know, racing and learning all in the same one. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. So, so Crackers, you're from the far north of WA pretty much. And, you know, do you want to explain the conditions that you're normally in and then I guess how it's different down south? Because um, 
I love talking about different conditions and that sort of thing. I think a lot of yeah, people well, I guess the biggest thing for us is we've got an archipelago of islands. So in most cases, the fetch has been broken up by something. So you just don't get those clean runners um, and you don't get the ocean swell mixed in with it. So in some sense, it's not bad for learning, like paddling up and that you've got nice short choppy runners, lots of wind chop to pop up. But for practicing, like going down real runners with that speed and acceleration and linking, um, it's definitely a little bit more challenging. Um, but saying that, it also forces you to work hard in the training in the lead up. So that when, when you get down there, you're as ready as you can be. And over the years, whether it was on the paddle or on the foil now, that process of getting to the king of the cut is the bit that excites me because I know how challenging it is to get down there and be in all new conditions and just have to learn um, while you're out there. For sure. And I know you had a bit more time this time than last year. You had maybe a week to, to play around in the bumps yeah. beforehand, whereas the year before it was just a couple of days. And like, that's one of the things like for those sup foil or just downwind foil crew that are listening, um, everywhere you go, the conditions are different. And like even chatting to Greg um, and the race they did in France and looking at the speeds they did, like Clermont, I've done a run with Clermont a couple of years ago, or 2019, I think it was King of the Cut before COVID hit. And, um, and you know, he's a freak downwind, basically. He's, he's a very good downwind faller. But the speeds he was doing in France were, I think, much slower than even what they were doing, what you guys are doing in King of the Cut. And that makes sense because they're doing more of a bay run. Um, like, I think he was averaging sort of 20 kilometers per hour, but he was using a tiny, you know, a 980 Kajira. Marcus was using the triple nine axis and was averaging 23 kilometers per hour. And he said, that's the slowest he's sort of gone on that foil because of the conditions. So it's really interesting. Like people try to sort of put speeds and um, conditions into a sort of box, but there's so many variables, you know, there's so many, you know, there's those really clean runs, there's the messy runs that are faster. Um, there's currents as crackers, you know, we've spoken about a lot about currents before and, and um, so many variables that you can't really just put one foil in a box and say, yeah, it goes 20 Ks now, this one goes 23, this one goes 25, whatever it is, it's, it's more com complex than that. Um, and with racing too, that's, that's one part that's complex is choosing the right gear before you go out. And, 100%. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of people at the King of the Cut, we all guesstimated, I think the wind would be more than it was. Um, I went quite wide, Crystal stayed on the inside. Um, and I was like, I'm getting out in those bigger runners. And I got out there and it actually felt like it had dropped off out there. And I ended up coming back on the inside. So we must have been picking up a bit of land gust or something on the inside mm. as well. Yeah, and also currents or like there's so many variables. Um, you know, you can be stuck in an eddy out there. You can, um, the, the wind could be funneling off the land a bit better or it could be, you know, there's, as, as we know, there's, I don't pretend to, to, like I've seen so many different conditions, but when people ask me, oh, what's the current doing today? It's like, oh, you'll have to get out there and have a crack <laughs> because it's, it, it'll change. But it's like if I went an hour ago and you go on, you know, an hour later, it, it changes. And even like when I chat to Zane, we're doing our local runs here. And like I was calling, like, oh, how was the run? He's like, oh, it was okay. I'm like, oh, it was epic when I went. And it's like half an hour to an hour to an hour and a half to two hours makes huge difference. Um, yeah. So let's get back to the race, I guess. Um, was there any point that you thought, um i guess where actually where were you in relation to the guys like where you got um so scotty and i 
um, were neck and neck the whole way. I was actually probably racing him more than anyone else. So, okay. what so, Scott, so Scott McCluskey was on the NL220 yeah. um, yeah. and he was the guy that came second in the, in the race. As Marcus said, he was the, the second up after the guy on the foil drive. And yeah. Um, okay, cool. I didn't know that. So yeah, tell us about yes. that. Yeah. So he was right next to me. So that was fun because we'd kind of been doing runs all week and, you know, hanging out and that. So yeah, it was good. He'd go off, fall off, and then I'd fall off and then up we'd go and one was in front and one was behind, but there was no pressure because we weren't the same division, you know, it was fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And in terms of the rest of the guys, obviously Bassian and um, Patty and the other young fella, they were way up in front. Um, and the other girls were a fair way behind Crystal and I. So we were kind of, we were fairly close to the front section of the pack, front mid. Um, but it was, we had a lot of the OCs and SUPs there as well because they had left earlier. So that was interesting too, like just even spatial awareness of all these craft on the water. And I think there was one point I was actually, I wasn't too far off Crystal and I'd come down and, it was nearly at the end of the race and an OC came through and I was about to take off and I had to give away. I, I couldn't pump up because I was going to be right in his line and I couldn't yeah. go the other way because it was my back foot. Um, so, you know, that cost me a little bit, but you're out there on the water and you're all mates. So you've got to be like, oh, well, you take it. It's all right. You get the runner. I'll go the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that, that's a good point. Like, I guess on those multi-sport downwind runs, like, I think it's right the... I think the slower craft should get right of way as frustrating as that would be on the wing or on your downwind foil. Cause it's hard for us to get going. And for the guys on the, you know, the paddle non-foiling craft, they're just plodding along the entire way. But yeah, I think that's probably the right thing is those with more power or speed give way to those with less because a lot of the time you're coming behind them. And obviously if you can't run into someone, I mean, I think you did the right thing there because it's amazing how, um, how much traffic, there can be on those sorts of runs or races and it's like oh come on there's a whole ocean out there but you're all finishing at the same spot so it all yeah, but that, that can also affect you technically and i think this is where like as the racing evolves it's like it you can have a plan on when you're going to attack and where you're going to go but if there's a craft in the way and like for me so if i was heading right i was much faster i wanted that attack but someone might be in the way and you've got to attack back the other way and then you lose you know and you're going so fast on a foil it doesn't take much to create distance between you mm. just a couple of maneuvers and someone can be gone so you know i just find that side of it really interesting as well and you know how to time yourself perfectly to to gain the, the most speed without kind of crashing into anyone or affecting anyone else in your race as well yeah. Okay. So, how much tacking were you doing down the run? Like, because to me, I guess um, free winging. I'm thinking like sort of hold the one line as square downwind as I can be, so that I, you know, obviously you go less distance. But obviously the power dingers, especially, they're going to be tacking more. I'd assume free winging. You're probably just going to be changing hands, or I guess talk us through it. Yeah. So if I if I saw a good bump coming, I was definitely I was heading left a lot more. Um, so I wasn't tacking as much as Crystal. She was tacking heaps more. Um, but like I say, I had to tack right to be able to gain that extra little bit of speed if I wanted to catch her. Um, so I would generally go left, surf, surf as much of a runner as I could. And when I knew I could turn and kind of get some speed on it on the right, I'd take it off and then keep surfing it to the right. If I could go left again, I would. But if I couldn't, then I'd power back up on the right and then do a bit of a run and then go back left. 
but I did spend most of my time left, especially after we went around that cardinal marker. Because you really got to go across. So yeah, I was I was going left most of the way and doing only a few tacks um, just to get a bit of extra speed. Whereas Crystal was tacking the whole way. She was zit, 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 zigzagging. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because she was power dinging as well. But. Yeah, and that, it, like you said, it's so. I remember in the lead up, I'm like, Cactus, you got to power ding if you want to be competitive. But you, you know, we, we've worked so hard on a. Crackers is very close to sup downwind. You probably could have done it this year, this year I reckon. Yeah. But I'm, I'm stoked you didn't. I'm stoked you had the race on the on the ding because yeah, I should um, take a foil drive out. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, the foil drive is kind of what you know. You're using the ding just to get going pretty well, and then sort yeah. of free wing, and that's you know it's so. I, th- I like that comment you said before where you got like the sort of and, and Marcus like saying like e foil that if you could use the you know you could almost have like a power dinging division a free wing division, an e-foil division, and then the sup foil division. And it, yeah, it dilutes it a lot. But I think at the moment, there's enough people that will probably enter all those sort of different disciplines because I know there's heaps of people winging, there's heaps of people free winging, and there's a lot of people that want to be downwinding. And with the e-foil, foil drivey kind of thing, and even just like a fully fledged like e-foil, I know I've got mates who do a downwinder with me and that is blast along in their e-foil and they're trying to you know let go of the, the motor for as long as they can and then glide downwind but you know they're clicking the motor on again and they're coming down and they're catching up as they go um i still don't think they're as quick <laughs> i think yeah. i still beat them downwind um so it's you know it doesn't really take too much away from anything and it's i guess the only problem with the king of the cut is probably coming in at the finish line is <laughs> pretty sketchy on it with, with a fully fledged e-foil but i guess wings can do it so there's no reason others can't um I had a beautiful run into the beach all the way in, stepped yeah. up the sand pretty oh, much. Yeah, it was yeah. so good, yeah. <laughs> especially on the wing. Yeah. Um, there's big shallow banks, you know. I think oh, yeah. at one point I could see the fa- sand under my foil. And I'm like, nah, don't fall off this now. Just, like, stay as high as you can. Oh, you can feel the foil, like, hitting the surface of the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sketchy. A foil finish is always a bit sketchy. I wonder if, I know in France they were doing a deep water finish, so you didn't have to sort of deal with the, the finish line um it sounds like it was not they the do case. have a deep water finish at the cut as well they do. on the outside it's just you know still want to go in through the surf break yeah you got to get in as well <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think so and i uh, look the king of the cuts an interesting one because it is a sub race or a waterman race like you say and the wing foiling is in Western Australia, I really see it at the moment, is a stepping stone for the SUP downwinders. And because the sport's so new, we're all, we're using it, like you say, to power up, get on the runners and then depower. But eventually I think a lot of people will move to the paddle in time that are out of those original kind of foilers in WA. And with the race, the king of the cart, I kind of, I like the idea that maybe the wing has different day or a different time slot like so you, you do have a speed ding event but then also keep that traditional downwinding event um, with the ocs and the subs and i think the subs will grow again once wa opens up because west australians are wind frothers and we've all moved to the foil you know you look at the lineup and all of the guys and there's some really skillful um ocean paddlers surface wind surfers in western australia so they were going to migrate to the foil pretty quick anyway, um, which has kind of left the sup in the dead. I think we had more women on wing foils this year than we did on paddleboards. Yeah, wow. And that's, yeah, we're finishing. Michael Booth won the, the downwind event. Um, I can't believe he didn't, he didn't 
spoil. I would love to see how he went because I spoke to him after as I was kind of um, like a training paddle. He's in a different league to, to most of the other paddlers over there and, and, and even around the world even. Um, but last time I, I raced King of the Fat, I was on a SUP too and Boothy and I had a good, a good, a good race. But um, I think if I go over again, I'll be... It's, it's more competition. On, on the sup foil now, um, kind of regardless of who's coming, you know, there's the local crew that are obviously pushing the limits. There's Marcus, obviously, and then there's, you know, a lot of, I know there's guys um, that would come to the race if everything was open that I, I just feel it'd be more of a race on a foil than it would be on the unlimited sup. Kind of like in Molokai 2019, it was Booth United, a really good race. Um, but the SUP foil division, it was, it was more competitive, like to, to put it plain and simple, like Kyle Enney, the Spencer, Jeffrey Spencer, Clement Colmer, um, Tituan Galea, like they were all guys that were literally in to win it, whereas when Booth and I raced, there were literally three people or four people that could have, could have won it. There was myself, Michael Booth, Kenny Kaneko and um, Josh Riccio on the 14. And like I've worked a long way to get to that point. It was a shame that some people couldn't, couldn't enter the race but um next year a lot of people have asked me if if molokai's on what what division are you going to do and it's kind of like look i'd love to do both but if push came to shove i'd, I'd probably do the foil which is um i didn't think i'd say that a couple of years ago but it's it's cool to see like as you said back as like if you were to do the sup you would have been the only so sup foil you would have been the only chick to do it right is that yeah yeah and because i kind of did that last year on the wing foil um, I didn't have a division, which was not a big deal. I just, I want to race with someone. I'm out in the water on my own all the time. So just to be out with the girls and to have that camaraderie before and after was just, it was really cool to be part of something. And for me, that was the highlight of the race for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the whole SUP thing, it's hard too because it's line honours or the winning for the SUPs with the king of the cut. And that seems a bit redundant now too if you've only got five subs badly, you know, yeah, so, yeah. you know, the race, the race is in a difficult position and, you know, the, the volunteers and all that are a bit burnt out. And I think um, as athletes, we all kind of need to get in behind the king of the cut. Yeah. And give back a little. Yeah. Back it and help it grow and help it find where it needs to go as we all change our sports as well. Mm, um, no, totally and, agree. You know, it'll happen with surfing too, with especially in Western Australia with the sup surfing. It'll be interesting to see where that goes as sort as the foils progress because less are surfing now um, on the sups over here anyway. Yeah, that's it's the same in Sydney. There's there was a, you know a training crew of fifteen to twenty that had trained out of Collaroy Brownwater area, and it's kind of I think it's sprung back a little bit after COVID, but it's like kind of there's there were three to four people on this on like training on the race ups and there were you know another five to ten out in the um local spot foiling so they'd, they'd still rock up for morning training but they were some different craft and they just paddle out and ride waves and they'd just be foiling having a blast and the guys in the subs would be like hmm, maybe we should try that and, you know when your mates start doing it and they see them having fun it's just gonna have a carry-on effect so yeah I, I really do hope for the sake of king of the cut that it's still on when everything opens up because i'd you know I think, I think part of it with SUP is having more events that can bridge people between the elite events and just casual paddling because there's the sport's still growing unbelievably fast in Australia with the, the flat water stuff. It's just the event side 
you know, how people get to competition and how they get to that elite level. There's nothing in between. And it's fine for the guys like you that are super fit and can paddle 20Ks easy. But, you know, for the beginners wanting to get into racing, it's just a bit too much. And we need some of these 5 to 10K races that can allow these people to build confidence and then join the bigger events. And then we'll we'll see the sport grow more, I think, in Australia, whereas at the moment we're kind of, we're losing it. Yeah, um, stagnant. Especially with COVID, Stag- you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess before, I'd love to talk about, I guess, pathways a bit with you, Crackers, because I know we've had a few discussions of that before, but do you want to add anything else from the King of the Cut? Any stories? Uh, uh, I think Ben Deschamps, um, he had a good story where his tailplate come off and he ended up duct taping it. Oh. So he got, he got the rescue boat over. They, they couldn't find screws or anything. Um, I don't know whether he lost a screw or something went wrong. And he duct taped it and he still, um, he got back out there on the paddle and did a couple of Ks, but he said he was just bucking and he couldn't control it. And he showed me at the end, it was just gnarly to see it like ducked on. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, but he was devo that uh, he couldn't finish the race as well. And that's where you wish there could be like spare gear on a boat because yeah. once you're out, you're out and that's it. Um, it's a bit of a shame. And I had my gear malfunction last year, but at least... I was able to still keep going because yeah, the you know, and it, was, <laughs> it was a lot bigger last year. It was Nukin, so it was like nearly 30 knots. So you didn't need the wing really. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That yeah. Story. yeah. That's definitely worth mentioning. So yeah, I, I've had something similar in a, a race overseas on an inflatable stand up and I, I rocked up and I had a fin. Well, I, I forgot the fin for the inflatable sup. So I had a race fin and I just sort of put that in and, I just duct taped it, it on and I know how, you know, obviously on a sup there's already a bit of drag, but on a foil, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of drag with a bit of duct tape and the angles would be all over the place and <laughs> good on him. Yeah, for, he, for wasn't happy. he wasn't happy at all, um, yeah. but lucky he had a good week um, the week before as well. And, you know, that's part of the king of the cuts. You come down here and you get to downwind every day and really enjoy that run. And it, it's just such a perfect run. You, you just can't get any better. It's so good. Yeah, actually, I made one. Tracy was over um, yep. for the week, and she was stoked to, to be able to get there. To get over there. But she was, she said it was a completely different vibe to previous years that she's gone because normally there's a crew of fifteen to twenty, even Sydney crew that'll fly over, maybe even more, and they'll be the same from Queensland, like the Gold Coast, the same from South Australia, and even Victoria too. And there's like this sort of little festival kind of vibe. It's like a festival of downwind, and the race is a bonus. You know, everyone else is just there. You know, there's not much tapering going on. Every, I always say the crew that are racing for the events, like, you know, just take it easy. You know, you want to peak for race day. Everybody, like, nah, the conditions are epic. I'm out there. Which yeah. Is totally good. yeah. It's um, like, can you make it through the, the whole week without getting too sore or having a rest day? And I, yeah. at the end, my legs blew up. I had to go back up north and sit on a plane. And I think all the lactic acid have just frothed for a week because I was doing double or triple runs some days. Um, yeah, the body gave in afterwards and it's just like, nah, it's enough. <laughs> you're yeah, done. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I get that. Um, actually, on that, so the training runs you were doing, were you doing the first half of the cut or the full the full run? We were doing the first half um, only for logistics. I really wanted to do the second half, but nobody was keen to go with me. And, you know, that's the tricky part of the race. When, once you get into that second half, it's always it's got a bit of backwash. The runners are bigger. It's always more challenging. So... Um, I didn't get a chance to do that, but I did a couple of runs from north, or sorry, from south of the King of the Cut to make it a bit longer. And that was pretty epic as well because you were out wider from the beginning. 
Yeah. Um, so you're right out in that good stuff straight away. But yeah, we just had heaps of fun. Um, probably the best day was the Thursday where we had really strong winds, but we had like a two metre swell as well. Oh, so wow. what you're saying, Marcus, about it being just a skate bowl, it's just insane. Um, I would have done that five times if I'd had the time. <laughs> I was so good. Um, yeah. So everyone was really happy and peaking right before the race because we'd all had a good run. And we still had a few crew, you know, I think there was like eight that flew over from the East Coast um, yeah. and myself coming from up north. And we had a couple of Bunbury guys and that. The Perth crew tend to stay in the metro. Yeah. Um, so we still had some people out in the water, which was fun. Um, and it still had the vibe. So, yeah, it was good. It was uh, worth awesome. It. Yeah. Mini, yeah. I guess on the half cut versus the full cut, when I was there last, we were just doing mainly half cuts, but I made the effort to do, I think I did two full runs or, or at least just the second half, like starting at Hall's Head and finishing down at the um, Secret Harbour. Um, and, and like you said, so different. I mean, like Marcus said, like the, the first run is so, you know, train track, just perfect. Whereas the second half is where I believe the race really begins because the first half, when, when the conditions are super perfect like that and like same as in bay runs or in lake downwinders, you kind of get to the bumps and unless you make a mistake, you're stuck like behind one person the entire time. Like you, there's no, as long as you don't stuff up, you're not going to fall off that bump and it's really hard to up and over a bump. So it's going to get tricky in that respect. So in terms of training, I always say for races like King of the Cut, you're better off working the second half of the run than you are the first half because it's so, you know, all the crossover, all those bridges and holes and you know little, little gaps to sort of run through that's where the race truly begins i believe and it sounds like that was the case with you as well with chasing crystal um yeah but logistics wise i totally get it like it's if everyone's staying at at um paul's head it's like oh we just drive up and come back it's super easy but yeah for me like if you're doing two or three runs you could just do one long one and there's only one car drive and so i always yeah and i think i think now if i if i could go back in time um I would have more confidence in myself just to get out on my own um, and do that second run by myself. I'd be totally fine. And when you're even on the half cut, you're still pretty much out there by your own anyway. So I think that's just a little bit of confidence thing um, with me. Yeah. Uh, just getting out there and, and having a go. But I, I, that's what I love about the King of the Cut is that the first half of the race is everyone kind of like getting rid of the nerves, setting themselves up, finding where they want to be. And then the second half, it starts and, there's always a story, you know, it's, it's so wild and you never really know. And the more you've done that run a lot, you know, the more you do the run, it's never the same. And never it's never same. even close to the same. And it's such a different experience. And I think it would have been pretty hard on the paddleboards this year, that second run. It was quite, got mushy, but it was quite flat as well. I didn't feel like the runners were as clean um, as the first half. So I think on a sub, it would have been quite challenging. Mm. And they had some pretty late times. Um, some of the end subs coming in, so I think they will get knocked around a little bit on the bumps. Yeah, no <laughs> That's doubt. I think it's pretty nice being on a foil and just straight over it, you know. <laughs> yeah, the foil, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like the, the foil just makes like the missing conditions when you get used to it are the best, whereas on a sub, those clean like train track sort of runs are pretty nice on a sub. You sort of set and stick and you're just gliding on one run for ages, whereas on the foil, you, you actually have to slow down on those ones, which is mm -hmm. riding the same bumps kind of thing. Um, I want to talk to you about pathways now, Crackers, because I know we've spoken about that a lot, just you and I, but I guess I opened up a little bit more and I spoke to Boothie about like where all the racing for SUP and foiling is going to. 
Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the sport evolves. And I'm always keen to sort of chat and maybe yeah, yeah. influence it a little bit if, if we can. Yeah, I reckon I've got about 10 minutes. Um, perfect. Let's, 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 let's call it five even, and then we can okay, we won't run over. <laughs> um, yeah. So I know you work a lot with kids, like getting kids yeah. into stuff and into foiling too yet or not? Yeah, not so um, they've pretty much the boys are the only ones that haven't had to go on the foil yet just because they've been doing other stuff, um, which I'll get them back on that when I get home. But yeah. I've also been teaching them to wingding just in the last week. Which like school of crackers throw them out of the boat with the foil and a wing, and I'm like, good luck, girls. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, pretty fun. So yeah, they're getting into it, and they're you can see that foil brain starting to work with them. Um, so yeah, it, I've kind of been developing a program, and you've been working with me on this, and we had some stages, and I think it was level four was like teaching them to downwind sup and I this group of kids have been paddling with me for a while and I always kind of envisioned getting them to the king of the cut to race um just for them um for the experience and you know now I'm looking at the sport and I'm like like let's not even bother we've got at the moment I've only got flat water race boards up there to train on so it also mean me having to invest in a huge amount of equipment um to get these kids downwinding and they're starting to play around on the foils and the foils are more accessible for us because um, they can play around behind the boat and stuff like that. We come from a boating community. Um, so I think I think that's where a lot of these kids will go and then they'll just continue to flat water paddle for fitness and endurance and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, for the kids, there is no pathways at the moment in Australia. And I know now, like we've all been frothing our age group and the older ones um, and loving the foil but well and, and sups as well but there is the next generation are coming up and they're getting good and they want to do this stuff and if you look at the king of the cart in the wing foil you have um young patty and i don't know his mate's name sorry um that 16 17 and 14 years old second and third place in the race which is incredible you know yeah. and these kids to have the courage to to take on the adults and to do it so well you know they annihilated everyone yeah. um I just think that that's where we really need to focus on these kids and give them opportunities to compete where, you know, these guys are fine. They're not intimidated, but as more come up through the ranks, what do we have for them? You know? Absolutely. And like, I guess we're competing with, you know, your general team sports like soccer, like your rugby, like your Aussie rules, you know, netball, um, all that sort of stuff. And it's, I, there's lots of, I guess, um, blockages i guess for those that are in surfing even but you know foiling and stuff especially because there isn't there's just no events to go to like soccer there's a soccer game on every weekend and their friends are doing it as a kid is really frothing on sap or foiling or even surfing they've got to have like be almost backed by their parents basically and even if they're backed by their parents they've got to be events then to go to and i think surfing is a good example that when i was growing up there were plenty of surf events but um the sort of I guess the click I was in, there weren't a, there was your border riders once a month, but in between it, there wasn't a lot. Um, unless you wanted to, you know, you were sponsored and you're going to all these events all around Australia. Um, with, with foiling and stuffing, it's, I guess, it's easier to run a race. It's easier to run an event. And it's just like getting the word out and organizing. And it'll only take, you know, one or two little communities to pull it all together and create that sort of avenue. But it's, I guess, it's hard insurances and in australia i guess maybe that's the handbrake the insurances and people running events there's not a lot of 
um, give back and you've seen the King of the Cut, like a bit of burnout happening and there's been rumours that maybe the King of the Cut won't even happen next year, which fingers crossed it won't and I'll reach out to them and see what we can do to keep it running because I want to I wanna have yeah, another crack at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's a hard one because we don't have a national sporting body. And I think this is where it all starts and then it slowly unravels down through the levels. But, mm. you know, at what point, where's SUP going to fall under? Is it going to be under Paddle Australia with canoeing and all that kind of stuff? Or is Surfing Australia, like, I think Surfing Australia really needs to make a decision. Yeah. And do you want it or not? Um, and sever it because we did used to have the SUP Groms running alongside Surf Groms, which was like a grassroots program for kids to get to paddleboarding. And I thought that was fantastic. And unfortunately that got dropped. And, you know, there's lots of kids learning to SUP now through schools and camps and all that kind of stuff. So it's there. It's just having a body to actually, or, you know, someone above us all to say, this is what the sport's going to be. This is what it's going to look like. And whether that's just flat water SUP, um, in Australia like they're doing in Europe and that comes under its own and surfing stays under surfing Australia um, it just needs something um, and I, th I kind of feel like it's our generation um, especially now with COVID going on and things that have changed racing setup I think we've got an opportunity where we should all start talking a bit more about it and how we can create opportunity for our sport in the future because that's how things change in the world you know is yeah. where people work hard at something and I feel like, you know, the athletes of your generation that are starting to age now and will probably stop competing as much. Now it's time to get on the computer and, and yeah. talk and, and let's make something for this sport or we're going to lose it. Um, yeah, for, which for sure. Like, I, like, and it'll just be recreation. Yeah, I don't want to... Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. There's, it's transferring the... There's so many people like SUP is booming in the recreation side of things, but there's like... I say to people, oh, like I used to, or I race. I used to race more. I, I race the stand-up paddle boards, and like, oh, do you, are there races on them? It's just no even awareness that it's even a thing. So it's like, how do we get recreation through to competition? I guess and it's not that important, but it's like for the sport side of it, it'd be unreal to have. I'm not sure what it is, and I know surfing New South Wales have actually there. I'm working with them just recently on trying to create a few events um in new south wales trying to get you know grommets but to, to like you know schools to come and do events and and try to tie it in with like a bit of a battle of the you know sup clubs as well so it's like you know just here in new south wales they got battle of battle of the board riders so it's like battle of the sup clubs and just maybe that'll sort of you know light a bit of a fire and if there's you know work with the sup clubs that are already there because i think you really do need to work with grassroots events and get school kids that are, um, you know, open to it and, and wanting to paddle, seeing these subs battle, and, oh, that's what we can be working towards. That'd be cool to do next year, you know, and maybe that's the way to do it. But it's it's not it's not a clean. It's it, you know, how do you create a sport? How, how do you create a pathway yeah. for a sport? And that's that's the question. But we do have all these other sports that have started before us. So, mm. at, you know, um, even surfing and surf lifesaving. And, you know, that's the hard one too, surf lifesaving, because I'm involved in a local club. We're really remote. So if I can run a junior squad and I can get kids paddling up there, you can do it anywhere. We're, mm -hmm. You know, we travelled 12 hours yesterday just to get to the next town. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like, I've kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, just getting these 
getting the smaller stuff happening and those bridging events like we used to run a, a little sub fest where it was a paddle around an island 5k and i think the couple of years that we ran it we had like 50 competitors and the kids were paddling and everyone had a great time whatever board you had you know some are on cruises some are on surf subs mm. um but just that basic fun stuff to get people start moving and i I think what we've done is we've started at the top with a big event and then there's nothing underneath nothing it. So exactly. we need to start building the opposite way. And grassroots and sports and kids is is where it all happens. And it takes time. So you've got 10 years to get these kids up to levels where it's elite and time to kind of find a pathway for them. Yeah. But I hope so because yeah. geez, there's some amazing athletes and I, I don't want to lose my kids to other sports, but it's going to happen <laughs> eventually. One a couple are going to boarding school and they're looking at rowing and stuff like that. So yeah. at least they're staying in the ocean. Um, but yeah, maybe surf club, maybe eventually surf clubs would take on the flat water or like the bop stuff. Mm. Um, and I would like to see surf clubs actually use SUPS more for rescue in general anyway. I just don't understand. Yeah, I think the inflatables, especially in and out through the waves, make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and if like places like us where we don't have big surf zones but we're still on patrol, you've got SUPS to get really fast. If you don't have an IRB, they're much faster to get out through the flat water. Mm. Um, you know, that type of thing. I'd love to see, you know, surf club maybe using them and then that'll help sport build and then it can become part of that surf lifesaving with Bob. Yeah marathon i don't know yeah so many options but it's just i guess we got to try to pick and stick don't we and follow through with it and the grassroots things where it's got to start and following on from there yeah know, i guess if there's anyone else that's watching this and has grommies that are getting into it or grommy foilers or um work with some kids that are interested in the sport like i'm keen to talk to anyone that's doing similar stuff and maybe that's where we start is just like start communicating with each other around Australia and figure out what we're all doing. And then we can meet up and do a coach Casey camp or something, you know, Yeah, no, I'd love um, that, and that might sure. be where it all starts. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Um, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Anyone who's listening and wants to reach out and create some sort of SARP or foil event, we'd be stoked to, to do it and get the groms involved and create a future for the sport that we're enjoying right now. And, um, I know you've got to go crackers, so I'm not going to hold yeah. you up for any longer, but um, thanks for your time. And yeah, thanks Marcus as well for joining for a bit of a King of the Cut debrief and yeah, Casey catch up. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks. And enjoy your time. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and all that. Yeah, so, you too. Yeah. You too. No, it's been good Hopefully to catch the wave is frothy. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Love it. All right. See yeah. ya. Welcome to the Casey catch up and this... <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to move it? You can walk fast now, you stink bug. <laughs>